everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I got my good friend, uh, Dwight Carter. Dwight Carter is someone I've known for years, and we actually met, probably we were just talking before uh, the conversation. We actually had met about 10 years ago um, on Twitter, and we've stayed very close friends. Uh, we've maybe, and this is always the weird thing for me, I actually couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen Dwight in person. It's got to be under 10, um, but close to. But we always connect. We, we know, chat about our families, and uh, we've had some amazing conversations. Dwight is an incredible leader. He's someone I really look up to, someone I consider a very good friend of mine. And so, Dwight, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm really pumped um, that people are going to get to hear some of the great things that you do. And if you could just kind of share um, a little bit about what you're doing now and, and how you got to that point in education. I'd, I'd love for the audience to hear about that. Okay. George, like I echo everything you said, you are one of the first three educators I followed on Twitter over a decade ago. And, um, and I remember now, then I'll get to the question. I remember, um, I saw your blog. No, I'm, I've joined connected principles. That's right. What it was. And you were so accommodating, um, got me connected. You know, we talked about it a little bit more, and I asked a question through your through the direct message, and you said, "Can I call you?" I remember it was Saturday night, man. It was yeah. Saturday night. Saturday night. It was late too, and we yeah. talked for 35, 40 minutes, and we never ever had a conversation prior to that. Right. And from that point on, I was like, "George is my dog." Like, <laughs> cool. Uh, and you, you, um, you basically lived out everything that you would, that you would write about, and so. I tried to. Yeah. yeah. So from that point on, I felt like here's somebody I can connect to. I can seek advice um, from um, and just learn from. And like I said, it's been you've been a major blessing um, to me personally and professionally. You really well, have. Well, before you share your journey, you probably, to be honest with you, when I know you were a principal when we yeah. connected and I was a principal, too. And yeah. you probably followed those three people because we were like the only three principals <laughs> It wasn't like, oh, this guy's doing great stuff. It's like, well, there's nobody else. There's like only a few administrators at that time, right? Like you're one of the early, the our early adopters, the pioneers that blazed the trail for for people like me and countless other, you know, administrators, elementary, middle, and high school. Like so, yeah. Thank you. I, 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 sometimes it's better to be first than smart, I guess. That's one way of putting it. So yeah. Um, but right now, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an assistant director at um, Eastland Career Center. Uh, a career center is a career technical school. We have 16 programs that students can get a, um, a license or a credential to go directly to the workforce. Um, and we are connected to 16 different high schools in Central Ohio. So that means 16 high schools, juniors and seniors, can then pick and choose which program they want to um, attend or be a part of. They apply, we accept, and then we, we end up with like 650 to 675 students um, between juniors and seniors. And they will get a, at the end of their two years, they get a career passport, which includes their credential um, and all their other uh, licenses that they may get through their program. And they also get a high school diploma from their homeschool. And students can come here full time or they can be part time, meaning if they're a senior, they're here in the morning. And then they go to the homeschool in the after. I'm sorry, they're here in the afternoon. And they come, come from their homeschool in the morning, and vice versa. So it's 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 wonderful. Like I said, this is my first year in career tech. Um, when I was a principal at Gahanna Lincoln High School, we we're an associate school of Eastland Career Center. So I always came to the 
career passport um, ceremony. Um, we always had conversations with the directors and the, um, the programming director and the superintendent. So I have a strong connection to Eastland Career Center, always, always have. And now that I'm actually working here, um, it, is, it exemplifies rigorous and relevant learning. So I absolutely love it. What are, what are some of the, like, what are some of the programs? Uh, I, we talked about this brief, like, so when, when you hear the career tech, like what are actually specifically some of the programs that, that students would be taking there? We, we call them hard labs and we have soft labs. Hard labs are like, you know, auto tech, um, electrical engineering, or electrical technology, excuse me, where kids are learning how to be an electrician. We have welding, we have uh, pre-engineering, we have a new aviation program that started last year that's a slower growing program. So that's still in the, I'll say in this infancy stage, we have landscape design and management, um, agriculture, big, big diesel and ag, um, uh, interactive media, graphic design, medical office, dental assisting. And I'm sure I'm missing one or criminal justice as well. Mm -hmm. So kids can pick and choose which, whatever program they want. And they, they forge ahead. 65% of our students um, still go to a two or four year college then 35% go directly to the workforce or the military. And that's like, that's, that's amazing. You know, like I think about when I went out of high school, mm -hmm. uh, I actually, and probably like most people, I don't, I don't want to say just, just my generation, but um, forever. It's like, Oh, like you walk out and you have no clue what you want to do, but it seems like, early on these students are actually finding some of these career passions and pathways um, through this program and really developing. And I think it's really powerful. Like what, are, like as you're, as I'm listening to you though, one of the questions I have and I'm thinking about is that a lot of the stuff is super hands-on like it's right. So how, like with all the pandemic stuff, we're recording this at the end of May, like yeah. how, how have, how have you been able to accommodate kids learning in those pathways, you know, when they can't necessarily be at in the buildings. It's been a huge challenge, especially for our, our heart labs, because you can't learn how to be an, like, an, like an electrician just doing things online, virtually. Um, you can't learn how to um, troubleshoot a, why a, car, a, car, a carburetor's not working on a vehicle mm -hmm. online. You, you have to hands-on, be hands-on. So because the beauty of it is that it happened at the end of the third quarter, so we have a fourth quarter left. So the kids got a bulk of their hands-on learning, you know, the first three quarters of the year. Um, so our lab instructors, they spend a lot of the time uh, teaching the technical skill and, and the, the, the manuals and understanding the language during the fourth quarter. That was all online. So they, just, they had to pivot, you know. Right. Um, and then the state also allowed some grace um, and then extended licensing licensure programs for the summer. So it's been, we have to be really flexible and agile. Um, but our softer labs, most of the stuff was online anyway, but it also gave more kid, gave kids more time and more flexibility to complete some of the assignments. And some of them went even deeper because they, they had more concentrated time to focus on a specific topic or a specific project. And that, that like the, the idea of that, uh, of just kind of thinking about, how some of those jobs that you're describing and some of the things I, I, I think about my time in high school and there is kind of an emphasis and I don't know if it's different um, it, it, where you grew up um, in Ohio versus, you know, where I grew up in Canada yeah. that it was almost like if you didn't go not even to a two, like a two year college, right. right. 
But if you didn't go to a four-year college, there is kind of this stigma that was floated on top of you that you were somehow a failure. You were somehow destined. College or bust. Right. And, and like that, that's something that I've always struggled with because I think right. a lot of people, like we, it's almost like, and this is one of the conversations I've had with people all the time is that when we are talking about success in education, are we defining that for someone else? Or are we actually getting kids actually figure that out themselves? Because you and I um, do different things and we might determine to deem success as being something totally different, but we could both be successful. Right. But, but it, for some reason, when I went to school, there was this pressure that you were only successful if you did this, right? And I always give this analogy is that I have three uh, university degrees. And when a plumber comes to my house to fix something, I am not the smartest person in this, in this house. Right. And they have, yeah, they have intelligence that I, don't, that I don't. And I think we need to play. And I love that there's this emphasis on the value of that work that you're doing. And so I think it's, it's, it's really amazing. I think it's something that we need to really be like, be comfortable with. I was having a conversation. I can't remember with who just recently mm-hmm. talking about how little things like teachers putting on the door uh, where they went to university and college and like, and it's like, what's it telling kids? That sends a message. That sends yeah. a very powerful message that, to be successful, to be like me, you have to take this path. Right. What's unique about career tech is that all, um, all of our, we call it, we call our teachers instructors. So all of our lab instructors are from the profession. They're from the, 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 the career pathway. So our welding instructor was a welder. Our electrical tech engineer or electrical tech uh, instructor was an engineer in electricity. Our auto tech was a, a phenomenal um auto technician for um, Toyota Lexus and he goes through rigorous training and courses every single year to stay up and keep up, keep up his certifications. Mm -hmm. So they, um, they, they practice and are teaching what they experienced and it's, it's amazing. So they, they have a skill set that I don't have. Right. I didn't go through that training. And so what, what's happening now in the state and I think it's happening in the nation is that, in our, at least in the United States, the pendulum has swung from college or bus to there's multiple pathways to success. And so, you know, me growing up, if you talked about the career center, it had a stigma to it. Uh, uh, it was, it was right. like, when career centers were started in 60s, 70s, and 80s, especially in the 60s, it was a very negative history when it comes to career centers because AYOs, all you others will go to the career center. It's because it was a dropout prevention program. Hmm. And for the last 25 years, that has completely changed, at least for those in the industry. However, parents and adults who grew up with the mentality of, of it being a dropout program have an extremely hard time. I'm, I'm speaking generally, have an extremely hard time with their kids saying, yeah, I'm a, I want to go to the career center because I want to learn how to do this, that, and the other. And so what we're learning is we have to target usually the moms to say, no, your kid your kid is not being pigeonholed into right. one way. They now have multiple options. They can choose to go to directly to the workforce. And this is even great. This is better now because of the, the college debt crisis that we have in our country. Mm-hmm. So they can come out, they can get a, 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 a license or a credential, go directly to the workforce. And now their employer pays them to go to school. So instead of them having, 
you know, a mountain of debt at 19, 20, 22 years old, they have a career that's three, four years into it, and they have college um, courses under the belt that's being paid for, paid by someone else. So it's-, it's I wish I would've done that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So like I said, things have changed so much in the last few years, um, because I think the, you know, we get a lot of support from our state government. And the, again, the, the, the language of the adults has changed. Good. Which now makes it okay for students to make these options and not feel less than. And I love that. I love these. When we sell ways to go to make it like, um, we're just a part of the normal conversation and there's no, there's no um, hesitancy or or negative feelings or apprehension about different options for education. Yeah. And I love that you said um, that you're talking to parents about that too, because you know, if we, if we grew up being told that, or I don't, I don't even know if I was told that or just kind of like that was, was kind of the message that was conveyed. Norm. More of a cultural norm. that yeah. 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 And then you think about, you know, so I grew up now I'm a parent. Am I going to like kind of pass it off? Like Kalia actually, one of the things like it's funny because, you know, every day so right now she wants to be Taylor Swift. Like <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? She wants to be Taylor Swift. That's her thing today. Um, but one of the things she, she just loves, she's like, I want to be, she actually said one day, I want to be a builder and a fixer. And I thought it was like, like an interesting terminology. And I'm like, where, where did you like what? And she saw, um, it was like some home and garden show. And honestly, it's interesting. Cause like <laughs> she did not, she did not get that from anything that I do. <laughs> she wasn't watching me fix stuff. Cause I yeah. cannot do that. Yeah. So it was like she was watching. She saw something. She loves home and garden TV. and um, Gabby, too. She wants to be a designer. Yeah. Right now because she watches with me. She watches all the shows on HGTV. Right now, her favorite is uh, Bargain Mansions. So the lady goes in, condemned mansion, big house, tears that thing down from top to bottom, and completely rebuilds it. So Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, every Tuesday. She's like, Daddy, it's time to watch Bargain Mansion. <laughs> I get it. So it's awesome, man. It's awesome they want to go into it. I just don't, I, I can't watch that stuff. I don't know why. It's like. You're creative. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not watching anything now. Once sports went away, I just don't even want to turn on the TV. Hey, actually, I should yeah. ask you, because I know, um, did you watch the, the Last Dance stuff? Oh, man. What'd yeah. you think? What'd you think? thought it was an amazing story i thought it was great foresight and having having that last year documented like yeah. that that was amazing foresight and 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 then phil jackson recognizing the writing on the wall i mean he was told this is going to be your last year and you know like we were talking about before we got on he could have wallowed in the pity of oh no i'm you know, i'm being let go why for whatever reason he's just like okay that's the situation how do I cope with it, adjust with it, and transform my thinking? And his thinking was, and, the, and the, his players knew it, he's going to theme this year, i.e. the last dance. And I think having that theme drove them to break through all the distractions that were, that was a, that was a part of the team, from you know, the negative commentary about Jordan, um, yeah. Jordan's maybe um, interactions with his teammates, Rodman's shenanigans, uh, Pippen, you know, his pouting and things that he, I, I was blown away by some of the things he did, especially when he 
he refused to go into the game the last couple of last seconds. Like, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Did you know, did you know that one before? Never. Yeah, Never. I, knew that. I knew that one. That was, yeah. that was messed up. Um, you know, the role of John Paxton, Steve Kerr, you know, it's just that BJ Armstrong, like that, they had a phenomenal team. Um, you know, Ron Harper, his contribution. So to see all that come to play, I think we can now, I think we can learn. There's so many, so many lessons in that um, and then how to adjust to, you know, um, what, what's potentially coming to an end and how do you prepare for that, but how do you excel and be present at the same time? So one of the things that, well, one of, a couple of, there's a million things I thought was interesting about it, but um, when that was happening, I was in high school, yeah. like super into basketball and like we'd watch the games and then we'd go play basketball. Like that was a thing. And now you watch a game and you are on social media while you're watching it. Um, you're, and it was kind of interesting cause it was like, it was like living in a time where those games were kind of happening, but also seeing social media. And like, we actually had it um, cause of, uh, it was on ESPN. We don't have ESPN in Canada. So I actually would not go on any social media on Sunday. <laughs> Even though I like, I know everything that happens, right? right? right. And because I wouldn't go on till I watch it on Netflix on Monday, right. and I was like, it, it was really cool. It was like there was a nostalgia about um, like it was. I love that it wasn't binge, like it wasn't like they had because if they would add all ten episodes, I would watch them right when they came out. Right. And it was like giving me, I, it reminded me of like uh, Thursdays uh, in college when I watched Friends and Seinfeld on Thursday. Right. Like it was and like blogged about that. Yeah, that anticipation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. It creates it creates like a um, an event that you look forward to, um, and so like you, I think you're like what well, I, I looked forward to the the Bulls games. Yeah, they were you know back in the day, and I was I think I was well, I was out of, I was in my career when that was happening. So we look forward to the Bulls games playing, um, and I have that same anticipation coming waiting oh. for the episode. I, I honestly, I, I was thinking, would I rather be, if you gave me a choice or now, would I rather be watching the finals or this, like the actual NBA finals? I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I know this is going to be good every episode. I don't know if a finals game could be a blow by 50. But the, the one thing, and um, it really kind of ties into this. One of the things um, in the work that you do, one of the things I thought, and I, I've actually always, uh, Phil Jackson is is like has some strange way of thinking. One of the things that I've loved about him, and when I became a coach, I tried to emulate was I can tell I watched so much basketball, I could tell when a coach is gonna call a timeout. You can totally feel it. Phil Jackson would actually never call a timeout at the same time as other coaches because he taught his players you need to figure it out. You need to figure it out in the flow of how you work through this. But like one of the things that really ties into the work that you've been doing, not only in this, you know, part of your career, but I know when you were a principal was he was all about like everyone on that team. There is Michael Jordan, who's the best, right? But everyone felt they had like an equal contribution right. to doing something that mattered to that team. Even if you were the 12th player, you never actually would ever see any time. You felt like you were a valuable and he would do things to bring out your talents and gifts, right? And like, like you do that all the time in your work. And so like, what are some of the ways that educators can kind of emulate that um, in the classroom, you know, in a school? Yeah, so a, a phrase that I picked up when I was in Gehenna, I picked this up from our secondary um, coordinator, secondary curriculum coordinator. Um, we were just having a conversation one day and she said, you create the conditions for X, Y, and Z to happen. I'm like, 
create the conditions. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. So, because I think we're having a conversation about instructional leadership and how I felt like I, I needed to do more. I needed to be more involved in instructional leadership. She's like, keep this in mind. Instructional leadership happens not by position. It happens um, by people working together. And you don't necessarily have to be the person who's the leader, but you create the conditions for instructional leadership to happen. And I was like, man, that's that's powerful. So I've stolen that and been using that. So to, to answer your, your question, in the work that we're doing as educators, we create the conditions for students to develop personal skill that, that applies beyond the curriculum. So, you know, connecting with other people, being adaptable, having a flexible mindset, um, integrating, using technology for learning. Like we create the conditions for those things to happen, but also how to problem solve. Um, Cause right now, like no one adjusted, no one knew this problem was coming until like our kids didn't know March 18th was gonna be their actual last day in the building. So they had to pivot. You know, they had the problem solve on you know, how do I get my stuff and where do I get food from now? And, you know, how do I get a computer and, you know, how do I do my lab? So we were getting a thousand and one questions. So kids had to, some, they had to figure some things out on, our own, on the, out on their own. And we had to pivot to think, how do we create the conditions for our students to build, still be successful, especially those who have, um, you know, um, hunger trauma, like they don't, they don't have food like everyone else. And so, we had to kind of muddle through all those things and figure out the conditions that we set up prior to the pandemic. How do we make those present and available and accessible to all of our kids um, even now? So it, it was, it was a huge challenge, but we, and we adjusted, you know, our, our director, Jackie, who I was telling you about, she was here every Monday night from four to six with our um, head of our cafeteria, Bonnie Moran, distributing meals to kids who wanted it. And so, you know, and, and kids felt comfortable. They felt comfortable coming up, getting the meals. They felt like this is a safe place. This is mm-hmm. a place where people care about them. This is a place that they can be vulnerable and say, yes, we have a need as a family. So, yeah. And so, like, and something that I've, like, I've always said is because, you know, if you do your, your, your job as, like, um, outlined by your government, blah, 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 and you teach that curriculum, it's, it's actually very limiting. And I always tell people like the curriculum is the minimum of where we can teach our kids, but we can always go above and beyond that. Right. And one of the things I've said to people forever is that if you only, if we only teach kids the curriculum, we fail them. There's, there's things beyond that, you know, we want to develop in our kids that they can adapt and thrive um, in these types of situations. And I think that when you're one of the things that, had really drawn me to you was really your positivity and your message. And, and you talked about, um, I remember you sharing this and I, I'm, I'm going to get people that I want you to share details with people, really that message of being, of be great. Yeah. And it's like every time I actually, it's funny because it can't actually visualize your name without seeing be great. And I, I like, I, cause I think in letters all the time, but I actually see Dwight Carter be great together so like can you talk about that message and like how that came about and and what that what that means yeah so that that message came about when i was my um i was in my first year as a building principal i was a middle school principal at gehenna middle school east so i was driving to work one day and i was thinking about you know how i communicate um through email and whatnot to staff and, and send out parent notifications and parent messages 
basically the newsletter. And, you know, I was writing out, you know, yours truly or sincerely at the end, you know, to close out a message. And I thought, everybody does that. And it doesn't really mean anything. I want to do something different. I don't know why that came to mind. So I was, you know, I was driving to work and what came to mind immediately was be great. And I was like, hmm, I kind of like that. So I started putting that on all the messaging, literally emails, letters, everything. And then three or four weeks in, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I struggle with uh, the confidence. So I thought, man, this, this is kind of cheesy. This is stupid. I mean, I'm just going to stop doing it. No one gave me any feedback that it was cheesy or that it was stupid or didn't mean anything. But that's the story I was telling myself, right? right? So <clears throat> about three or four weeks, like I said, I stopped. And then a couple of days later, one of our veteran teachers, she, I think she was teaching, I think, 33 years at that time very well respected, very influential. She came to my office one day, just um, on the whim, knocked on the door, said, hey, you got a minute? Like, yeah, come on in. She says, um, you know, I noticed, we noticed, she was speaking on behalf of others as well. She said, we noticed you stopped using be great at the end of your messages, and we want to know why. She said, because for me, that reminded me and inspired me to, to do things better and to really be great. Like, I missed that. I'm like, are you serious? She said, yeah, it, you know, it's a little thing, but it, it made a big difference. So we, we missed that. Ironically, I got a, another e uh, email from a parent asking, you know, we noticed in your newsletter, you stopped saying, be great. Did something happen? Did somebody, did somebody tell you not to do that? Or did you get in trouble? Or I mean, they started, they were like concerned. I'm like, no, nah, I just thought it was, I thought it was kind of cheesy. They said, no, nah, we, like, I use that at work now because I got it from you. I'm like, Wow. So from that point on, I started using it every single day. Um, and then, you know, after using it for three or four years, I started to really think about, okay, what does that really mean to me? Yes, it's a, it's a cute, catchy phrase, but what does it truly mean? So then I started thinking about, you know, what, what, what values I want to uh, exhibit and what beliefs and concepts do I want to put into practice? And that's where... Literally, I started thinking, okay, what does that really mean? And this is when I was, um, I was really maturing and, and really strong in my, in my faith um, in terms of my walk with Christ. And my, I thought, and I started thinking about my, my, my missions or purpose statement, which is to positively change lives and impact futures. And one of the things I've always been known for, and that came relatively easy to me as an educator, is establishing strong relationships with my students and then a great rapport with with colleagues so what came to mind was the g and great stands for grateful so just be grateful for um the intangible intangible things that you receive every single day and that that costs no money takes a little bit of time the r stands for relational be relationship relationship oriented my favorite quote as an educator, I saw it in 1991 when I was taking my first class, or 1990 was, um, uh, geez, I forgot. <laughs> no significant learning happens without significant relationship, right. Dr. James Comer. So that was the R. And then start thinking about positivity, but there's no P in great enthusiasm is there. Authenticity is one that I really struggle with. So I'll put that in there because that's something I want to become better at. And then... I'm a, I think I look at myself as a constant learner. So instead of learning, I use T or teachable. So be great sense for be grateful, relational, 
enthusiastic, authentic, and teachable. And so it's been, um, and I really think, I think about that truly. I truly think about that every single day and how I can exhibit one of those concepts um, throughout my day. Well, it's funny that you actually said <laughs> authentic. You know, I struggle with that. And you saying that you struggle with authenticity actually is kind of authentic. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was interesting. This, so I, it's funny because I, I saw that, that, that little statement, right, mm-hmm. instills confidence in people that you connect with, right? And people look at those things as, um, you know, just maybe little things they don't really pay attention, but it does – that confidence matters. And I saw this is actually funny. I saw this on TikTok yesterday and it's just so in line and I can't, I'm going to mess up the story, but it was about someone, a student who went into an SAT, totally thought they were going to fail, um, hadn't <clears throat> do anything for it. And they ended up getting, and I think it was like a 1400, 1450 or something like that, which is a really high score. Right. <laughs> and after that, just totally changed. And they actually went on to do these great things. Right. And, and like, I'm not big about test scores and all these other things, but what's interesting is that there, there was like a, the, the, the story went that the person actually got a message from the people that deliver the SATs. And they actually said later that there is a, a miscommunication. So the student has scored like a 450 actually, but they went on to all the success and they went on to all these things. And then he said, because I believed that I had this ability now that it instilled in me, I was able to do these great things. Yeah. And so maybe I wasn't able to, to do, you know, the, as well on a test, but I had a certain belief in myself that actually allowed me to do, you know, this great stuff. And I think that's really something that as educators, it is so important that we don't only instill in our students, but the people that serve the students as well. Because a lot of times we talk about, if you look at the su- such a deficit mentality in education and so many, like some one thing goes wrong and then we make a four year plan on how we're going to fix it. But we don't talk about four years about look, look at all, look at the hundred right. things we've done. Right. right. And then we're like, Oh, why are teachers demoralized? It's because you made a four year plan because you got a bad score on one thing. Yeah, and, you, and you took four years to make it. Yeah. So yeah. 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 That's man. That's an excellent point. And I think, um, so one of the things I learned early on in my career, especially when I was being trained uh, as a critical friends group coach, was a um, concept called appreciative inquiry. And that really stuck with me because it, it, you, instead of identifying the one thing that didn't go right, you recognize and celebrate the, the nine things that did go right. And so you appreciate, you take a deep dive and appreciate the things that are actually where you're most successful. And that has really impacted um, I guess my outlook and perspective on um, the work that I do. Now, I don't always, and this is, again, talking about authenticity and and vulnerability, which is ironic that I'm about to say this. I don't always apply that to my own personal life. Right. I will dwell on a mistake and use, I should have language as opposed to um, here's what I did do as opposed to here's, you know, what I should have done. Because I can't go back and change that. And so I, I recognize that it's easier for me to pour that into other people, um, not as easy to pour that into my, myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's, that's it's, it's ironic, it truly is. You know? But that's where my, I think that's where the Be Great message um, will help me out in helping self-talk, 
so that um, I can truly live out what I believe. And the, in the, like, I, I'm guilty of this too, right? The, you, you do a presentation, you do something, you get like 99 people say you're awesome. And then one person's like, you suck. And they don't give you any feedback. They're like, what did I do? Why, why are you mad at me? Right. But like um, a really good piece of advice. Um, I, I, I think I read it. I can't remember who said it was basically you need to take the advice that you'd give to a friend because mm. we're really, we're you're like, really? Yeah, we, we always have these awesome solutions for other people. But then when it comes to like ourselves, it's really hard to, um, to kind of get out of that. And so Dwight, um, we're short on time here. And I really thank you for, for taking the time with me. But before we go, all this stuff with the pandemic, you know, school closures, a lot of stress, a um, lot of things really tough. And I've been asking the same question of every guest. What is like the, the one best piece of advice you give to people right now? Be present, be in the moment. Don't worry about the future. It's coming one way or the other. And we just have to adapt to whatever changes are coming. So focus on being present. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's powerful. A lot of times we're so lost in something we did a long time ago or something that might be coming up that we don't actually appreciate what is going on right now and the right. little moments that we have. So I'll tell you straight up, one of the things I, I really appreciate right now is I, I got a chance to sit down and talk with you because our, our paths don't cra- cross enough. And so I really appreciate you. Um, I, I'll tell you when I remember making that phone call to you um, and I was, you asked me for help. It really helped me too. And it, it was like, it was really great to just sit and chat with you. And it really brought a realness. Like, cause a lot of times it was just, we were talking to avatars. Right. And then when we actually had a conversation and you really helped me, cause I was like, I was a new principal and just like, you know, I think you had more experience than I did. And I learned a lot from you too. And, and yeah. continue to learn from you. And, and you're someone I, I really keep dear to my heart, my friend. So I'm glad we could chat today. One, one regret with, with you. You were in Ohio. It was probably seven, maybe eight years ago. Yeah. We were at a, it was a small a conference at the ESC. You were there and I'm like, oh my God, like George is actually here and I'm, he's a keynote and I'm following him. <laughs> Failures. This is not going to work. But anyway, so you had set up you, you, you are big at going to professional sporting events, football or basketball. You said, okay, let's go to a Cleveland Browns game. I didn't take you seriously. So you came into town. He's like, okay, what time do you want to go? I'm like, go where? You were, you were going to a Cleveland Browns game, and I'm like, wow, he was serious. <laughs> and I didn't take you up on that. So, man, yeah, I, it was like, oh. Yeah, so that, that's my regret, man. Well, I we, we could go to a Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> game now, and it'll be like $8. <laughs> so we go to as many games as possible. Because once LeBron left, that ticket went down. Oh, man, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's All right, man. Okay, well, I'll take um, – then I'm writing this down. You owe me a, you owe me a game. I owe you, man. So when okay. you're in a home, we got to hang out. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Dwight, we're – uh, thanks so much for being here. Um, please give a uh, follow Dwight. We're going to put his uh, Twitter in the, in the links below. Uh, so you connect with him and connect with his blog. Dwight, it was awesome talking with you as always. And I can't wait to see you again. And so make sure you send me an appointment because we're going to talk uh, next week too. Sir, appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. Take care, man. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a wonderful day. On the wall. Tell me, Miro, what is wrong? Can it be my daylight clothes or is it just my daylight song? What I do ain't make-believe. Say I sit and try, but when
it comes to being Dela, it's just me, myself, and 